Welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We are so honored that you're tuning in again and uh, giving us some time from your busy life to hopefully equip you and help you, encourage you. And uh, even before we get into this lesson today, we're getting closer and closer to a uh, exciting conference called Avodah that uh, we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. The reason I'm excited is because most of what we're talking about in the podcast is happening in the marketplace. Not as much in the church, although the topic today on social justice definitely has crept into the church and caused great division in the church. But most of the stuff that we're dealing with, and we're going to highlight some some practical examples, these are all marketplace assaults on freedom of speech, religious liberty, and basically attacks on on your uh, right as a Christian business owner uh, or a Christian just simply working in the marketplace to express your Christian worldview. And so talk about Avada and some key ideas there and really what we're trying to do here at Living Stones to... I guess come to the come to the aid of the typical man or woman, uh, Christian man or woman out there in the marketplace. Yeah, I mean, Avada is the the idea that work is worship, and that when we go and go to work on Monday through Friday, whatever your work hour is, we're not taking off our our heritage, our identity, our our understanding that we're servants of the Most High King, yeah. and that when we go into our workplace, whether you're a business owner or you're a frontline worker, uh, we are bringing the Kingdom of God with me to where we go, and and that mentality is so important, especially for business owners to understand that their business is ultimately yeah. not their business, it's God's business, it's God's kingdom, and our call is to align ourselves with his kingdom. So how do you walk that in a practical way? And that's what Avada is all about. Well, and what I love about what you just said, so to expressing the kingdom, you know, we've got to get out of this false mindset that somehow the church just deals with getting people saved and someday going to heaven because what we're talking about right now is so much bigger than that. We're talking about having the freedom for you, your family, your chi- your children, your grandchildren to live out their faith openly in the public arena, uh, whether it's in the marketplace, whether it's at school, it doesn't matter where. Th- this has been f- uh, fundamental to what it means to be an American. I mean, because of the, the rich Judeo-Christian heritage that we have, uh, this is all under assault right now. And to the degree that we do not get educated and understand where the attack's coming from and understand how to, how to push back, uh, we're going to lose it all. So I, I love the fact that we're taking an aggressive, proactive approach to the marketplace at Living Stones uh, because the, I still believe that is the front lines of the battlegrounds right now. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't see this as just, like you said, it's not just the gospel of evangelism. Really, Jesus came to preach the gospel of the kingdom, yeah. which is really more about discipleship. Evangelism, the way I see it, it's the beginning of discipleship. It's not the end. Exactly. Evangelism is just point, the beginning yeah. point. And then discipleship and overtaking the kingdom and aligning yourself with God's way, his purpose, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. You know, if you want to be a leader, you need to serve others, you need to wash people's feet. Those are all principles of God's kingdom. And it needs to be lived out in our, not just in the church on Sunday morning, it needs to be lived out in our families, yeah. lived out in our government, it needs to be lived out in, in our businesses, in healthcare and education. And, yeah. and our job as embassy of Christ is to display that everywhere we go. And, and yeah. Jesus is Lord. I mean, that's the, one of the most fundamental uh declarations of Christianity. He is Lord of it all. So we cannot be pushed into a corner. We certainly cannot be pushed into a a Christian corner in our local churches. We've got to be bold and we've got to take our faith public. Now, we do have an election coming up. And in the last last, um, 
podcast, we're just trying to highlight the fact that, you know, you there's no such thing as progressive Christianity. Progressivism is like a universal acid that's seeking to destroy the very foundation of everything that is true and precious and truly Christian. And, uh, and we have an election coming up where really progressivism and the policies of progressivism progressivism are up for vote. And I want to remind you, I had a, I posted this on my Facebook page. I was quoting somebody off the uh, Twitter feed, but they basically said, remember that uh, the very people who destroyed your jobs, uh, uh, trampled your liberties, uh, you know, destroyed your kids' education, uh, all in the name of, uh, you know, wanting to help and be nice and, and to do the right thing or even the Christian thing. These people are up for re-election. They're va- basically asking you to give them a job and to vote them back into office. And I want to make sure, sometimes as Christians, we have a very short memory. Uh, we need to make sure we're, we're proactively voting against everything about progressivism uh, because everything about progressivism is about destroying fundamental liberties, our constitution, our families, our faith. I mean, we've tried to highlight that over the last few yeah, weeks. Yeah, I think we clarified this last week. Progressivism is so alluring, especially to many Christians, because yeah. we want to grow because the gospel encourages us to be disciples. That means we grow to become more like Jesus. There is a progressive move to become more. And then obviously, you know, we believe in the second coming of Christ, which is a culmination in this, right. you know, second this kingdom of God, this utopian kingdom. But progressivism is not that. It's a counterfeit version yeah. of that. And that's where it gets so confusing. Yeah. It's a godless, godless atheistic version of of, of the utopia again, which as right. we pointed out, utopia literally means nowhere because it does not exist on planet earth without christ coming and without the gospel so and you see historically when we try to implement progressivism through the government the strong hand of the government through force force, it becomes uh, tragic yeah and bloodshed we've seen this and this is not theoretical just study history i mean everywhere marxism communism any totalitarian progressive utopian uh, regime has taken power. It ends in bloodshed and a trampling of liberties. So, so we're not against, say, progress by itself. We no. do think we need to grow. We need to become better. We need to, you know, but but how we do it yeah. and the way we do it makes a huge difference. It's huge, huge, yeah. huge. And that's yeah. why we get in today to this whole uh, cult of social justice. And that was the, not my words, but that was the author's words, the cult mm-hmm. of social justice. Because a cult uh, is rooted in worship. And, and these folks are absolutely, as religious as you and I are. Right. Their religion is just a godless religion. It's, it's really Marxism, cultural Marxism, uh, taking the form of a cult-like radical approach to so, what they call social justice. Right. You mentioned the today. author. The author, for those who join us for the first time, is uh, Rod Dreher by this book, Live Not by Lies. So that's kind of yeah. the book we've been going to referring to. Yeah, and it's interesting because we need to highlight this. You know, the, the quest for justice is inborn in all of us because we're created in the image and likeness of God. We we hate injustice. We, we, Americans especially are all about fairness. So so this whole social justice piece really plays again on on our hearts because we're about making a better world, even playing field uh, where people are not, you know, uh, uh, persecuted because of the color of their skin, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, but, but what we need to highlight though is justice. The fact that we even have a concept of justice points to the Christian worldview because God is a just God, and and we have this inner sense that we need to stamp out all forms of unfairness, you know. And so, again, this is our worldview, but the devil always plays on it, and he perverts it, and his perversion always ends up with just the opposite outcome, right. as we pointed out. Well, that's why it makes us so tricky. Like, 
to grow, to, pro- to make progress as part of who we are, to yeah. have justice, to have mercy, to have fairness as part yeah. of who God made us to be. All of those are good virtues, but the trick is the nuance of how it's displayed and how it's done. Yeah. And that's where it gets so tricky, and that's where the church can get uh, get sucked into these worldviews without understanding what's going on. Absolutely, and, and, and we hope to flesh that out in the time that we have today, yeah. so it, hopefully we'll get there. There's a lot to talk about. But I wanted to open with this quote from Erwin Lutzer, another great book. It's called No Reason to Hide, Standing for Christ in a Collapsing Culture. Another book I would recommend that you pick up and read. But this is what he says. He says, today policies are implemented under the broad label of social justice, But these policies grow out of a militant secularism and are therefore divisive, unhelpful, and lead to a dead end of perpetual hostilities. Cultural Marxism is undermining who we are as a people, incentivizing finger-pointing without mutual accountability. Boy, I think he perfectly captures what's going on in our culture today. Perpetual hostilities, dead ends. And finger pointing, that's, that, that is America today, uh, right now in our social justice world. Without mutual accountability, and I love that, because while you point one finger at someone else, you got four fingers or back. three fingers pointing back at Absol- you. Absolutely, and, and I like what no he says, it, it grows, the, the roots are false because it grows out of a, a militant secularism. This is a godless view of justice. Mm-hmm. It's really a Marxist view of justice. Uh, which will end end terribly. Pastor Lutzner uh, shares this. Um, He says, A few months ago, an attorney told me she was representing two employees from a retail store who refused to wear a combined BLM and LGBTQ rainbow pen on their uniforms. Despite 20 years of faithful service, they were fired for being unwilling to support, quote, the moral revolution imposed upon them by our progressive culture. Faithfulness, competency, integrity no longer qualify one for working in a retail store. Conformity to woke political and moral values is paramount. Now, this is just a perfect example of what people in the marketplace are facing every day. This this person worked at this store for 20 years, and all of a sudden, their boss says, hey, put this pin on. Well, the pen represents, as we pointed out, as we preached here, LGBTQ, every one of those letters uh, is unbiblical and violates biblical sexuality. The BLM movement, as we pointed out, is rooted in cultural Marxism. There's nothing Christian about it. Um, there's nothing, we find no common ground uh, with that view of mm-hmm. social justice. And yet these people say, they're basically like, wear the pen or else. And a simple thing like, I'm not comfortable wearing this pen resulted in them getting fired, yeah. which is what, as he goes on to point out, is what's called woke washing, a term used to describe companies or stores that take a radical leftist position on racial or political issues as a pretense that they are all in, standing in solidarity with the leftist agenda to remake society. They want to be seen as advocates, as those who are innocent of all the evils attributed to others. And you see this in corporate America. Uh, kind of like Dan, Daniel uh, in the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Everybody bowing down to the radical Marxist uh, cult of social justice. If you don't bow down, you're canceled. Right. And, and so this is what we're talking about. This is why I shared earlier the Avodah experience is so exciting for me because people need help. People, people in the marketplace need somebody to rally around them and stand with them. Now, I'm going to share one more story, and then we're going to get into breaking down uh, the cult of social justice. Lutzer goes on to describe a friend of his, a dentist, uh, who told him that he had to undergo an online implicit bias 
training seminar. Now, even the name of the seminar, Implicit Bias, means you're already biased. You don't know it. Mm -hmm. So we're going to help show you what a bigot you are. Um, that emphasized the need to reduce barriers and disparities when it came to matters such as gender identity, sexual orientation, religion, and the like. At the end of the session, the participants were invited to ask questions or to make comments, and so his friend, to his credit, was the only one who typed a question. Here's the question that he, that he typed. I don't require my Muslim patients to say that they think it's good that I eat bacon. I don't require my atheist patients to say that they think it's good that I believe in God. I don't require my LGBTQ patients to say that they think it's good that I have, a, that I have biblical Christian values. Why do I have to affirm a patient's LGBTQ lifestyle? Great question. Mm -hmm. Here's the answer that he received back from the uh, uh, administration, all right, the higher-ups. LGBTQ sexuality is central to their identity. It is very hurtful and can cause great distress when we don't affirm LGBTQ people. The answer went on to say there could be legal repercussions. So now we have a threat for those who don't provide such affirmation. Notice it's not enough for a dentist to treat all of his patients with equal respect. He is expected to give special affirmation to one group whose lifestyles actually run counter to his Christian convictions. Right. This is exactly the kind of hostility, uh, the kind of tyranny that Christians are facing. Not in just treating somebody with respect. That is a Christian value. We would, ex we would expect that. In other words, you're going to clean the LGBTQ person's teeth just as good as you're going to clean anybody else's teeth. Uh, that's not the issue. What's at issue here is uh, you're forcing me to affirm a lifestyle that goes against my deeply held religious convictions. And we never put the shoe on the other foot, as he tried to do, and point out that we would never expect this from any of these other groups, including the LGBTQ groups. I mean, even this, this affirmation, this logical training, kind of ties into our previous book we talked about, right. um, Strange New no, Strange New World. Right. I get that confused with Brave New World. That when you have tied in your behaviors with your identity, that tie is arbitrary. Because well, anyone yeah. can s to sever that tie or say that's not tied. Because you can say a Christian, <laughs> Christian can say, well, my biblical belief is tied to my identity. So exactly. why are you respecting their identity and not exactly. my identity? Is there a common ground and is there a place that we can live and let live? But they will say, well, no, that's you chose that faith. That's not your identity. That's your that's your lifestyle behavior. Right. Yeah, so you, that's on the second tier. But I, I I couldn't choose this. This is who I am. This is who I am. And so so that becomes such a, a, a ambiguous thing that no one really questions anymore in terms of what's identity and what's behavior. But that's the logical train that no one really questioned to say, wait a second, why is that their identity and that's immutable and that's central to their being and that could cause suffering and hurt when you question that or say, I don't affirm that, whereas my identity, which for us, I mean, the Bible, the central teaching of the Bible is Christ is in us. I mean, I don't know how much more that can be part of your identity, you know, exactly. than, than for, for me to live is Christ. To, yeah, said. to die is the game. I mean, that's I'll talk about your identities found in Christ. Yeah. I mean, that's what we teach. So the tragedy is we've lost social disc discourse. We're, we're no longer engaging in a, a pursuit of truth right. in a civil way. And so the only the only solution here is bow down, repent of your biases, right. and 
worship the new uh, religion of social justice. Well, you talked about soft totalitarianism. Yeah. You know, whereas, I guess, strong, hard totalitarianism is the might of government. They'll literally, if you disagree, they'll take this, they'll send the cops and police, the secret police, and take you through in the gulag or something like that. Yep. But yep. in this case, soft totalitarianism is shame, it's is ostracized from society or legal. I mean, they were mentioning how they're, well, they're legal gonna, liability. They these will people sue were you, fired. Fine you and, yeah, they were fired, and now that now right. the attorneys are trying to go get their jobs back. Right. But in this case, uh, with the dentist, they mentioned that um, there could be legal re re repercussions for those who don't provide such affirmation. And I don't know how constitutional that is, but just the threat of legal, the threat of uh, of legal, uh, uh, you know, prosecution. It's enough for most people to say, well, I don't want to deal with that. I'm just oh, going yeah. to sign the paper because yeah. I don't want to deal with that and, issue. And, and that's, the again, the soft tyranny uh, yeah. that we're talking about. The very fact that we have to have these discussions and worry about this shows that we've we've lost uh, the ground of religious liberty yeah. in America. Yep. And so um, we want to break down today, where we talk about this being a, the cult of social justice. This is a rough catechism that is, again, in Rod Dreher's book, breaking down some of the major tenets of, of social justice theory today. So I'll read the first point here, and then let's break it down and talk a little bit about it, all right? He says, the, number one, the central fact of human existence is power and how it is used. Um, again, this, this is straight out of the Marxist handbook. Yeah. Everything is about power structures, who's, who's the oppressed, who's the oppressors. Um, in fact, it says here, social justice is the mission of reordering society to create a more equitable uh, or just power relationships. And those who resist social justice are practicing hate and cannot be reasoned with in any way or tolerated, only conquered. What a scary thought. So anytime we try to push back against any of this radical social justice ideology, now we're, vi we're, we're guilty of hate and we just need to be shut up. And, and canceled and conquered. So everything is seen through the lens of power structure. Yep. One power structure versus another power structure. So even in these lens, it's always somebody against each other. It's all versus, all, 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 it's, it's making one person the enemy and the other person your ally. So we're gonna ally ourselves against this enemy. I mean, it's really a, a, a win-lose situation. There's oh, no win-win yeah. in this. And, and if you talk about conquering, yeah, the great example, I don't know if you follow the NCAA tournament, you know, which is uh, probably the biggest, uh, sports spectacle of the year, a great, great college basketball tournament. Mm -hmm. Remember, uh, Oral Roberts University made it to the Sweet 16. They upset um, Ohio State. It was a massive upset. Everybody was celebrating. You know, of course, the, in, in the tournament, you celebrate the Cinderellas, the, right. the schools that are not expected to win, the underdogs. So here Oral Roberts wins. And instead of celebrating them, it was interesting because USA Today newspaper came out with a, uh, an editorial. Uh, and uh, this is alluded to in Erwin Lutzer's book. He said, um, sports teams are also expected to bow to the revolution. This happened, of course, in the 2021 tournament. I just talked about uh, Oral Roberts. But in the minds of many, this university was condemned, not celebrated. Now, there's a bunch of college guys that just had a big victory. They're condemned. What were they con condemned for? The school was vilified for its pledge that students will not engage in homosexual activity or for aff affirming that marriage is a covenant between one man and one woman. And this is what the editorial writer said. I'm quoting, however accomplished its young student athletes are, the school is a hotbed of institutional transphobia, homophobia with regressive sexist policies. There is no way to separate their men's basketball team from the dangers of their religious dogma. 
no matter how many top seeds they defeat. Wow, there's some strong uh, value-laden language there. Notice all the phobias and dogma and all. Basically what they're saying is we can't celebrate these guys that they actually have a competency to play good basketball. Their dogma is too much a part of them. And really what they were saying is schools like Oral Roberts that are religiously based should not even be allowed to participate in the NCAA tournament. Um, talk about cancel culture. Well, I mean, schools with those dogma to them shouldn't even exist. They shouldn't exist. They shouldn't be certified. They shouldn't have certification. They shouldn't be accredited or anything right. like that. So for them, <clears throat> this is like, wait a second, they might be getting attention. We need to come out you know, and destroy all kind of positive attention they could have because they are attacking our religion. This is a religious fervor. And, and this kind of stuff, like, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, if you're going to go or Roberts and play basketball, you better be aware and be sure that yeah. <laughs> that this is going to happen. Well, and I just you better count the cost. And the, the Carrie Lake, you know, her run for governor in Arizona, she's already being attacked, saying that the or the NFL is threatening to pull the Super or uh, yeah, pull the Super Bowl from Arizona mm -hmm. if she's elected. Yes. Um, and again, what did she do? Uh, she's not even elected yet, yeah. and they're throwing this in her face. Right. You know, so this is the kind of uh, well. Well, that's a Corporate. power play. It's yeah. a power play. It's like the NFL trying to affect the election in Arizona. And here's the things like people like you try to affect election. Everyone's trying to affect elections because they know what's at stake. Interfering with democracy. Every, yeah, interfering. I mean, what, what at what point is is that interference with democracy? I mean, you throw that <laughs> word out there. I mean, that's that's. You know, anyways. Uh, all right. Now here's so yeah. so the, the, again, is that a Christian belief that all of human existence is about power? No, that's not the template by which we view things. No. Let's look at the second one. Is this yeah. is this a Christian belief? There's no such thing as objective truth, only power. Of course, this is patently unbiblical. This is not a view of biblical justice. What they say is religious claims, philosophical arguments, political theories, all of these are veils concealing will to power, which goes all the way back to Nietzsche. There are only rationalizations for oppressors to hold power over the oppressed. So basically, all of our Christian beliefs are simply because we, we have power and we're trying to oppress those. Uh, there's no such thing as objective truth. Jesus is not objective truth. The Bible is not objective yeah. truth. It's just power plays. Now, I, I, this is an interesting discussion, and this is something to really think about, because I remember taking world religion class in a supposedly, uh, it was at a, some seminary, I'm not going to name seminary, but it was a very uh, progressive seminary. And they were talking about Hinduism. You know, if you're born the caste system, yeah, right? Yep. You're born different castes. And I just made this comment to the class. I said, I'm not you're saying you're trouble I'm troublemaker. I'm like, I'm not saying this was the intention, but I just said if I wanted me and my generation and my sons to always be in power, I would it would be a great religion to start and basically perpetuate because you were born into that class. Yeah. It's not about merit necessarily. Right. I, I'm not I don't have full understanding, but my understanding is it's based on what class you were born into. Yeah. So if I want to perpetuate my son and my grandkids and my granddaughters to become of this, you know, the Brahmin class or whatever class yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. This will be a great power and, structure. And if you're in the lower lower class, you're, you're, you're kind of stuck there yeah, because there's no, you know, and I kind of made that comment. Now, in the context of that scope, this argument makes sense. It's about a class struggle. This, this again, I don't know. Maybe the people who 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 came up with Hinduism is sincere, and that's not. But that's not my point. My yeah. point is in those in those worldview that makes sense to look at everything through the lens of power. 
But Christianity, now some people will use it for power, don't get me wrong. But if you really look at a scripture, it's not about power. Look at what Jesus did. It's about caring for the least he, of these. He surrendered himself to the cross. You know, he could have sent yeah. angels and legions to come, and he's yeah. like, no. It's the antithesis, but because white patriarchal people hold right. Christian views, that's the problem. And then Christianity becomes just the lens by which we continue to perpetuate oppression. And another thing I have to say about this is if you really truly buy this, that really is about power, man, what a lonely place to be. I mean, there is no intimacy, no vulnerability with your closest friends because at the end of the day, it's really about power. I mean, this is like... It's a, a constant struggle, right? I mean, you never get to put your sword down. It's always about... It's always play. about fighting. It's all about someone in your inner circle. It's like the mob. You all, it's like the mafia, right? Everywhere you look, you're still like, who's got? Who's going to... I remember when we were fighting for the Rifra situation yeah. in Indiana and the way that it was used against us, they said that... that you people are passing Riffra so that you can have a giant sword or stick to beat uh, LGBT people up with. And we're like, what are you talking about? There, there was not even an awareness that this is some type of a power struggle. We were simply trying to, pr to protect religious liberty. They interpreted it all as a power struggle. We're going to use this law to keep oppressing LGBT. We want to live and let live, and we're going to trust the Holy Spirit to do the work of transforming hearts, not not the strong hand of the government. government. And But that's not how, but their worldview is not that. So whatever, even your gestures of love, you give them a, no, give them a fruit basket, they'll be like, what'd you put in it? What are you trying to do with that? You know, And right. that's, a, that's a dangerous place to be. It is. It's an ugly world. Yeah. Point number three here, identity politics sorts oppressed from oppressors. And so... In the cult of social justice, the oppressors are generally white, male, heterosexual, and Christian. So that is me to a T. Yep. I am the face mm. of oppression under these guys' uh, worldview. Nice. The oppressed are racial minorities, women, sexual minorities, religious minorities. Interestingly, it says, curiously, the poor are relatively low on the hierarchy of oppression. For example, a white Pentecostal man living on disability in a trailer park is an oppressor. But a black lesbian Ivy League prof professor is the oppressed. And so yeah. it turns everything absolutely upside down. And basically, if you're white, you're racist, you're an oppressor, period. Right. And like you said, it's like a caste system because it's based on the color of people's skin. So if, if you're born black, you're oppressed, period. It doesn't matter if you're teaching at Harvard and you're making six figures or right. whatever. You're oppressed. And if you're white, you're an oppressor. Um, so anyway... In today's world culture, this kind of thinking is used to get blacks to hate whites and whites to hate blacks, and it exacerbates anger and racial distrust, and unfortunately, there's no end in sight. So the, the tragedy of social, the current social justice model is it does not bring any kind of unity. It just tries to flip, the, in their mind, the oppressor-oppressed grid and put somebody new on the top of the heap. It calls massive division, and yeah. in the day, it's ruled by fear. Because yeah. you're, you're, it's it doesn't create true justice. It doesn't create true harmony. Um, even during like the French Revolution or Russia, uh, USSR. Yeah. I mean, it never create true sense of peace and and like uh, harmony, right? Yeah. It's, now we're not we're not arguing that there's not racism. Sure. There's always going to be racism, but it's not just black and white racism. Sometimes it's black on white. Sometimes it's black on black. Sometimes it's... Uh, look at all the uh, the Asian population that's totally being attacked in, in, uh, yeah. by ra people that are racist against Asians or against Jews or against whatever the well, group is. It, it, racism, racism is too general because you got one nationality who is the same race as another nationality, but they hate each other. Right. So, I mean, but, but what, what do you call that? What the system yeah. does, yeah. what they do is they, they, they add the word systemic in front. 
In other words, we're not dealing with individual instances of racism. Right. The system itself is racist, is what they're arguing. When the system is racist, it takes away all human dignity and any sense of moral agency. So it, it, nobody, it, when you're fighting the system, the system is impersonal. The system, there's no personal accountability in a system that's racist. Everybody's guilty. So if you try to say, wait, I'm a white guy, but I have black friends. I'm not racist. I, you know, I'm a Christian. I love all people. Ah, you're pushing back. That's a sign that you're, you're racist. You're, you have an implicit racism because of the system makes you... Uh, yeah, so you, you can't know. win. Yeah, you can't you, win. You, there's no you winning win. at all. Yeah, yeah. So justice is not a matter of working out what is right due to the individual, uh, but what is due to an individual as the bearer of a group identity. So now we have justice for women, for for queer, for black, for whatever your your oppression group is. All right, your victimized group. So again, in Christianity, we talk, Rachel, I tell people, you don't have to be a victim. You can overcome injustice. You can make good choices. You, you can rise to the top. Um, you're not a victim. And yet this form of social justice actually wants you to be a victim because victimhood is your ticket out. Victimhood is what we want to celebrate because right. victimhood makes everybody have to feel sorry for you and give you special treatment. And that's our culture today. It's like it's almost a competition to see who can be the most oppressed. Oh, absolutely. And and I don't know, man. It just stirs me up sometimes when I watch that. When, that's probably when I get on social media. <laughs> Can't oh, well, handle it. It, it. it perpetuates weakness. And I think that the, the greatest picture of this is look at the wokeness that's happening in the military right now. Mm -hmm. You know, why do we have a military? For one reason, to win wars. You want your best, your strongest, your brightest, your most capable on those d different uh, branches of the military. Because at the end of the day, it's not about... It's not about the social justice theory. It's not about, okay, we have to have racial equity, or we're going to make sure we have certain percentages of people. Um, even, you know, they're talking about uh, uh, certain memos saying we have to dumb down physical strength uh, things because yeah. women are not as physically strong as men. That's a biological fact. We have to dumb down competency things because certain groups are not performing well on certain tasks. So we're going to dumb all this down. Sure. When you put wokeness in the military, you are absolutely destroying the strength of the military. You're making your nation at risk. And what we're finding out now Nobody wants to be a part of that kind of a military. Yeah, you wonder why. Yeah. Now, I like to propose, if we're going to do that, I like to propose a special class for the NBA for <laughs> mid-40-year-old yeah. Asian-American men who can't jump and <laughs> is slightly overweight. I like to propose that category. Oh, my uh, word. And, um, and no real basketball experience, by the way, and yeah. can't really well, play. Well, but I but can make six <laughs> figures. I like to propose that category, and I would like to... No, no real reason. No. Yeah. Hey, we need equity. <laughs> and and, and I, I saw this to be true, too. You know, when you look at the NBA today, it is a black dominant league, and no, yeah. no white guys are going. Okay, we feel yeah, because you know. they're the best. But what yeah. I just noticed yeah. is now people are looking at hockey, and they're saying hockey's racist because yeah. it's composed of mostly white guys. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's no end to this victimhood thing, and I mean, we just laugh at it because okay, I'm a white guy, I'm not, I can't jump like a black guy. You know, there are a few white guys that can, but most of us can't. 
Who cares? I'm not. I'm not over here having a pity party. I just think there's uh, there's just no representation of Asian Asian people in the NBA right now or well, the well, NHL. We, we did have yeah, a NFL, definitely. Jeremy yeah, Lin. Jeremy Lin, Yao Ming, a couple but you people. Guys are but, all, but you guys are all. But none of them under six foot tall. <laughs> yes. That's my issue. Right. <laughs> so, I well, hey, demand scream, to be represented. Yeah. Scream, <laughs> but see, but you have hope. I don't have hope because I'm a racist, patriarchal right. white right. guy. I am absolutely. I'm hopeless. I just unless I fall on the sword, there's no future yeah, for me. There's no future for you to join the NBA. I just have to commit. I still can hold on. Maybe the fifties. 50-year-olds in a few years, there's a category for 50-year-old Asian guys. Yeah, so. I don't know. I'm All right, we got to move on to the more, next round. There's more there. hope for you than there is for me. <laughs> All right, um, let's move on here. Number four, this is really big. We talked about this. Language creates reality, yeah. and there's a popular phrase among social justice crusaders. Words are violence. So even if you just express your opinion, that's violent. Yeah. If you want to have somebody come on campus and give a Christian worldview perspective on an issue, you get deep platform because just your presence causes microaggressions. It violates safe places. Yeah. I mean, this is the modern university. It is pathetic. It is absolutely pathetic. Well, they recognize how powerful words are. They, they absolutely recognize ideas are super important. So how do you, again, we're talking about the cult, right? The cult of uh, social, social justice. justice. What does a cult do? Insulate you from other realities, right? right? Insulate you. Because, I, I mean, in, in, in our Christian faith, if someone says, hey, you know, like, this doesn't make sense. That's have a, that's chat about. It. That's debate about. It. That's that's. I read this about this. You know, I'm not going to be like, no, no, don't you dare read that. Be like, well, let's have a discussion. Let's right. let's, let's talk through this, right. and, and go experiences. If you think I'm wrong, then try some other way. I mean, we're open about our discussions about the Bible, about faith, and we often say, well, you know, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that, right? Yeah. But when it's a cult, what does that mean? You insulate yourself from new ideas, new words that could challenge your thinking. Everybody drinks the Kool Aid. If you're not drinking the Kool Aid, you can't be a part of the group. And uh, and those that don't drink the Kool Aid get canceled. Don't you dare listen to that because that could, you know, that, that's, that sounds like yeah. a cult. So let's go to the last yeah. one here, just in for lack of time. Uh, social justice and Christianity. You know, biblical Christianity believes that justice is about promoting the common good. You don't have to agree. You don't have to even be a Christian. We're just promoting an even playing field, not equal outcomes, because. Individuals make choices. We talked about that, mm -hmm. but an even playing field—that's where—that's where justice comes in. Uh, equal justice under the law, uh, but that's not what again is being promoted by the diversity, equity, inclusion crowd. It's not about equal playing field. It's about equal outcomes, uh, special favors. Um, DEI is really code for discrimination, because really what it says is. Um, we are absolutely going to, we're not going to pick the best, brightest, most competent. We're going to balance the playing field. So even if you worked hard, made sacrifices, et cetera, you may not get selected to go to an Ivy League school or you might not get an opportunity for that job simply based on the fact that you are the wrong color. It's reverse discrimination. We talked yep. about that. Yep. And there's no end in sight. This does not help America. This, this actually divides America. And I want to point this out. I think this is all intentional. Because the whole goal is creating unrest so that the whole system can be destroyed and it can be rebuilt under the whole, you know, neo-Marxist kind of uh, understanding of globalism or whatever your, your template is. Yeah. It has to all be destroyed. So I actually believe that the current movement has a lot of useful idiots who are following it who don't realize that burning the whole system down does not create utopia. It creates civil unrest. And all it does is it gives rise to somebody that's going to fill the vacuum. Yeah.
you, you, you tie it into the fervor of revolution, the yeah. fervor of pro- progress, making change, or m- having a meaning for your life, you know, without considering all these deep things, like you said. And you know? I'll, I'll end with this. this. This is God's solution. This is Colossians chapter 3, verse mm-hmm. 10. Put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn uh, to know your creator and to be like him. And in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, civilized, a slave free, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. We shared this before, the cross is the great equalizer. We all stand on common ground. Yep. We're not dividing up society in terms of, of Jew, Gentile, black, white, any man, woman. Uh, all those things dissolve in Christ, and we're, we're all equal. We're made in the image and likeness of God. That is the foundation for, for true justice and for true unity amongst a culture. Yeah. Um, Christ is the answer, and the church is the solution. Uh, and we've got to get back to a biblical understanding of race and a biblical understanding of justice. And, and can I just kind of share my heart real quick, yeah. you know, especially in this topic of Abadah that we talked about. I think this whole movement, many young Christians have bought into, uh, young class, a young age, yep. have kind of bought into this movement because there is a desire in them to make a difference. And for too long, this is my opinion, not Livingston, this is my opinion, I feel like too long the institution of church have, conf- we talk about this, sort of kind of yeah. confined the vision of Christ to just like come to church on Sunday. Right. Get people saved. Right. But that's just coming. There's no greater vision for transformation, for renewal, for our culture. There's no greater vision for changing through the kingdom or of God. We, we preach doom and gloom, and that everything's yeah, going to go escape, from bad right. to worse, and we have to get out of here. Yeah, wait so for the young rapture, people yeah. are like, no, give me a vision for my Good life. Vision. That's not a vision. So, so they tie it into social justice because it has a compelling vision. It has so many alluring things that seems reflective of the scripture into, into our deep desires. But we don't need to go with the counterfeit. There is a gospel of the kingdom of God that wants to transform, that wants to make changes, that wants to better mankind, that wants to create equality and not equity through right. God's kingdom. And Jesus said, I came to usher in a brand new kingdom. You know, repent, change your mind, for the kingdom of God is near. Yes. That that message has not gone out. And because we have not filled the void for this true message of the kingdom, the counterfeit kingdom has taken our young people and filled it. And our, we have an exciting call is to really yes. truly preach this message so our people says, yes, there's a way that we partner with the Holy Spirit. We're not doing it through the might of the government. The government needs to get out of our way so that we can actually do what we're called to do. The purpose of government is not to institute all these different things, is to, to open this up so that we can help the poor. We can create, you know, we, you know, get rid of all the anger and hate and all these different things through the institution of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And that's yeah, a that's deeper excellent. message that we need to get out there hey. today. So I side with what he just said. He doesn't have to distance himself from that. That is absolutely what we believe. Uh, and I'm, that and we're truth. passionate about that's that. Good. And then that's a solution we bring to our culture today. Yeah. So. Anyways. Yeah, and it's not a false, it's not like we ha- we're going to solve all the world's problems and then Jesus is going to come. Um, we recognize that in this fallen world, there's going to be a lot of brokenness. Our, 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 the, the scope of our transformation is still limited to Christ's return it, it, it's th- because of sin and brokenness, which is going to be with us. We cannot change people's heart. This right. wants to change people's heart through, through force. force or through censorship or through shame or through you know, legalism or punishment. Yeah. We're saying, no, the only thing that changes anyone's heart is the Holy Spirit right. and through Christ. Right. So we're humbly saying, hey, we're going to submit ourselves to God's kingdom and let him do the work. Amen. So join the revolution. Young people, you're looking for a cause. I can't think of a greater cause to live for. Amen than the cause of Christ and the kingdom. We're living in exciting times. We believe that Jesus and the gospel brings the answers, uh, and we're inviting you to join us. Let's let's spread the go- 
gospel of the kingdom. We have enough work to do to keep us busy for multiple lifetimes. Meaningful work, work that transforms lives, and uh, that's what we're about here at Living Stone. So we encourage you, if you're looking for a good church, come be a part, come join us this week. 30, 10 o'clock, 11.45, three great times to come and, uh, and be a part of what God's doing here in Northwest Indiana. So thanks for tuning in. Share this far and wide. We'll look forward to being with you next Thursday.